Hey y'all, this is Marcus King, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. Hey everyone, today we've got the one and only Richie Fure on My Rock Moment. Richie is a rock and roll hall of famer. He is the co-founder of notable bands like Buffalo Springfield and Poco, among many others. And he's also got a very active solo career and a new album coming out in July. Now the album's called In the Country and covers some of the greatest country rock hits of our time. I'm really excited about it. So with a career as extensive and active as Richie's, we've got a lot of ground to cover and we're gonna cover it all. So let's get started. Richie, thank you for being on My Rock Moment today. I'm excited to be here with you, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> oh, no, I, I feel like you're a man that essentially needs no introduction. I mean, Buffalo Springfield, Poco, Souther Hillman Fure Band, your solo career. You are a an extremely talented musician, but also quite prolific. There sure has been a lot of history. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you on that. I, uh, it, it's been a great ride. What can I say? I mean, <laughs> to have left a little town in Ohio and end up in New York and then Los Angeles and bingo from there, it just, it went on and on. And it, it's been, uh, you know, how many people can actually just say in their life, you know, hey, you, you've had the opportunity to do what you really want to do. And yeah. to making music and, and knowing that people have appreciated your music, uh, along the way is just absolutely uh, it, it's 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 heart touching. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I read your book as well, and uh, your path to music and all the colorful characters you experienced. <laughs> colorful, you like that? <laughs> That's a word. Oh, some of them were very colorful. <laughs> very colorful that you met along the way, and and I'm a huge California rock fan, so for me it was particularly fascinating. You know, it was like a who's who of the time. Yeah, you know, and and when we uh, when we arrived in Los Angeles, when actually when I got uh, out there with with Stephen Stills, uh, it, it was it was kind of a, a different journey. I didn't know exactly what to expect, and uh, uh, in fact, when when we first got together, it was kind of like, oh no, what have I done now? Because I left a secure job back in Connecticut to join a band that Stephen said, hey, all I need is another singer. All I need is you. And when I got there, it was just me and him. <laughs> That was it. <laughs> so, but uh, it was a great community. Back in those days, it was a wonderful community of people. I mean, um, you know, I lived in Laurel Canyon. I, my address mm -hmm. was 2300 Laurel Canyon Boulevard. Can't believe you Nancy, remember that. <laughs> it was Nancy's in my first uh, first home. And um, uh, but, you know, just the friends that, that you had. And there was such a community of people, you know, and it was so much fun to just be a part of. And, and then it was it was really just all about the music. There was uh, the business part of it and the, uh, everything that goes along with it. it. It really wasn't it. That hadn't really locked into my you know, to my way of thinking at that point in time, it was just the music, man. Here I am, be able to make music. 
I know. Well, and in, in reading uh, the story, you know, and it's funny because you're mentioning streets. I'm in Los Angeles. You're mentioning streets and areas that I walk by every day. And you're talking about being a struggling musician and, you know, you and Steven just pinching pennies together. But none of that really mattered because you were both working towards something, something that you loved, you know? And, and when it was going down, you know, certainly when you're living in the moment, uh, it was one thing. But then as you got through it, I can look back now and see the importance of that time because Stephen and I sat across the room from one another, probably three feet. We didn't have six, you know, six feet social distancing at that point. <laughs> we, were just doing, we were about three feet and uh, we were learning all of the songs that Stephen had written that would eventually end up on the very first Buffalo Springfield record. And But we learned how to harmonize. We learned how to phrase. We learned how to sing together in unison. I mean, we had, you know, we had that Lennon and McCartney um, um, vibe looking ahead, you know, they, John and, and Paul sang together. And so Stephen and I did the unison thing. We did the harmony thing. We did the phrasing thing. And so there was really valuable time before we ran into Neil on that, uh, on that fateful day on Sunset Boulevard, Neil and Bruce, when we got stuck outside of Ben Frank's, you know, in Los Angeles. <laughs> that is honestly one of the most serendipitous rock and roll stories <laughs> I have. And I, and by the way, I've heard it like told multiple ways. I'll bet you have. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've even told it three or four different ways. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what's the actual truth there? Were you flicking that fly off your shoulder? Were you <laughs> Listen, all I remember about that is Neil, I mean, is it Stephen and I were heading east on Sunset Boulevard and Neil, who had been in Los Angeles with Bruce for, I don't know, maybe three or four weeks looking for Stephen as they had crossed paths up in Canada. And uh, uh, he was leaving town. They were Bruce and, and uh, Bruce and Neil, Neil and Bruce were, were leaving town. They were on their way to the 405. So they were heading west on Sunset Boulevard. Yep. They were going to San Francisco. They were saying, this is futile. I mean, this was way before the days of computer and what we're doing right now. Right. And texting. And us, you know, and they, but there it was. We got stuck in traffic right on Sunset Boulevard. And I don't know who saw the car, but you couldn't miss that car that, uh, that Neil was driving. It was, a, it was an old hearse. You know, and uh, it had Ontario license plates. Somebody spotted that. I think it must have been Stephen. I don't know. But anyway, there we were stuck in traffic and, and we made it over to Ben Frank's parking lot. I don't even <laughs> think it's Ben Frank's now. I can't remember what the name it's of the Mel's. Mel's. Mel's Diner. Mel's Diner. Mel's Diner. <laughs> and um, there's where it all began. That's incredible. And what a ride you had. And you know, what's so interesting is that you guys were one of the biggest bands in the country. And your ride was two years. I know. You it did was, so much in those two years. It, it was it was difficult too. Um, there were nine people in inside inside the um, inside the Springfield at that time in the Springfield. Right. Nine people in and out, um, and and it was it it was hard to really keep any momentum. Um, you know, we'd take one step forward and get two steps back. And uh, it, it, it was very difficult. I, I think that Neil probably always wanted to be a solo artist deep down in his heart, you know. Mm -hmm. And but, you know, as we as we were starting to make the, the only record that was truly the Buffalo Springfield, it was the very first record. Uh, the second record and the third record that we made, you know, there, there was starting to become you could tell that there was 
um, you know, people were just doing things on their own. And, um, you know, by the time the third record came around, well, everybody had kind of like split up and it was left up to uh, Jimmy Messina and myself to really, you know, compile uh, the different songs that were on the third album. But yeah, we, um, it, 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 that part of it was just crazy. You know, when I look back on it, you know, had could things have changed and been differently? Of course they could, but the way they ended up was the way they ended up and it was mm-hmm. okay. It was okay. Yeah, I think it was okay. <laughs> I want to ask you just for me what it felt like, because we've got so much to cover and notably your album that's dropping in July, Mm. which I'm so excited to talk about. But as a performer, I want to ask you, and like I said, Native Angelino, I lived on Sunset Strip for a while. I understand the magic that's still there, you know, even though the scenes changed quite a bit. Playing the whiskey the first time, getting that gig, getting it so quickly and going, okay, all right, we're here. We're 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 on the bill with some big names. Yeah, you know things did happen so fast. I mean, when we finally when we finally all got together, we finally got Dewey in the band. You know, uh, thanks to Chris Hillman and and uh, David Crosby. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they um, they helped us get Dewey, and so when we when we got the band together, and then they also helped us get into the whiskey a go-go uh i don't know if they were talking to elmer or mario i don't know who it was you know i think i mean elmer is obviously the guy that had to make the final decision but he put us in and uh, yeah we we were working then uh we're the house band there with the doors and with love and with the leaves and and different bands and i mean it, it was it was happening so fast when we started there was, I mean, no one really was there to see us. And by the time we were done with that six week, probably, you know, consistent time that we played, they were lined up around the block. And it was just amazing, you know, I mean, and, and it, it was it was overwhelming to just see what was going on and to realize that, hey, things are changing fast now. You know, there's going to be a record and da 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 on and on and on. And and uh, it was um <laughs> it was almost to even think about it, but it was it was exciting. It was an exciting time. And again, there, there was, can you imagine being at the whiskey that little, I mean, it's a really tiny place. It is. I mean, I walked into it a couple of years ago and it is really small. Yeah. And and here we are, I'm in the doors and Buffalo Springfield or Love and Buffalo and, and Buffalo, you know, it, double bill in this little tiny place and all the Good girl singing. <laughs> That's where I met my wife, by the way. That's where you met Nancy. Yep. And wasn't she heading to Hawaii the next day or something? Well, Horrible she, timing. When, when finally I, I actually, I wear glasses. And so, you know, when, when I was there playing, I didn't wear glasses at first because that wasn't cool. You know, that wasn't. <laughs> but, um, but there were these two girls that stood right in front of me. Um, at the Whiskey A Go Go, she actually came with a with a boyfriend who was in another band who said, you have to come and hear this man. And so oh. she was standing right up there. And when I finally got it figured out, okay, uh, this one, that's the one. You know? <laughs> down, I think I love you, you know, and, and all that. And when I finally got around to, to meeting her and, um, you know, really feeling like, you know, I'd, I'd really like to get, you know, get to know her better. Yeah, she was going to Hawaii. <laughs> it's like oh my goodness what am i gonna do now you know oh gosh it all worked out that she came back and here we are 55 and years later <laughs> that's incredible incredible oh my gosh and 
I know, you know, things started to fracture a little bit in 68. Neil's doing his thing and, yeah. you know, Steven's doing his thing. And you and Jimmy Messina are really coming together and you're thinking, okay, there are sounds that we like. We love the country sound. Sure. We can add a rock, you know, kind of element to it. Right. You guys were essentially creating the genre that is so big. I mean, we just had Stagecoach last week. I mean, sure. country rock is huge yeah. and you were starting from ground zero back then yeah we were definitely the pioneers and uh uh you know it, it was fun that there was obviously the birds had you know they were doing something at the time because it was around the we time of the heart room. of the rodeo poco actually uh had started but we didn't have the record contract that the birds had. So they actually got out there to kind of lead the way. And then of course there was the, the Brito brothers who I think yeah. we're looking at it more from the, the, the countryside to the rock where, you know, Jimmy and I were looking more from the rock side to the country, but there's where I think some of my influence uh, started to come in because years ago, um, my influence, um, you know, kind of growing up was the rockabilly, Eddie yeah. Cochran. Uh, uh, Carl Perkins, Gene Vincent, Buddy Holly, that type of that that type of, of country music. So it wasn't necessarily that we were doing something new, but it had certainly been on the back burner for a long, long, long time. And now we were able, you know, when we recorded um, Kind Woman, which was on uh, the Buffalo Springfield's last time around record, uh, you know, we and we uh, a road manager helped us get a, a steel guitar player who lived back here in Denver, where I'm from or nearby. And uh, that was the beginning of the band because we wanted, you know, we we definitely had the focus. We want to do this countryish sound and bring in, a, you know, country instruments and, and the vocals uh, in, into the music scene right now. And that's what we were doing. We wanted it was consciously we wanted to do that. We pioneered a sound. You did. You really did, because we you talk about, you know, the those that really crafted it and those that were so influential. Poco is at the top of the list. But at the time, I can imagine it was hard to figure out which side you were kind of on. Maybe you were too country for the rockers, too rocking for the country. Well, that... you know, I'd like to say that that was part of the dilemma for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, we started playing at the Troubadour another small little club, but, yeah. uh, and, but we packed it out and people were coming to hear what we were doing. Hey guys, we're gonna take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Okay, guys, let's get back to the interview. I mean, when I put Poco together, Glenn Fry came over to my house in Laurel Canyon and sat on the floor and listened to us as we were, re- as Jimmy and I were rehearsing the band. So, I mean, there were people that it was really, it was touching and grabbing them. But, um, you know, it was the record companies that I really think had the problem with really figuring out what do we do with these? What do we do with these guys? <laughs> right, right. Because the first album, Picking Up the Pieces, came out. Yeah. And then the second album, you just named Poco. It was almost as if you were reintroducing yourself. Right. Saying, here we are. Yeah. This is what we do. And you, you, yep, you said it. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, it, it all started to happen like it did with other bands, which we said will never let happen to us. You know, I mean, right there in the very beginning, Randy decided he was going to leave. Randy Meisner. And, um, you know, we, we started having internal problems within the band. And um, I, I really feel that it wasn't until, um, you know, both Jimmy and, and Randy had left and Paul Cotton and Timothy B had joined the band that we really kind of locked into who we were and what we wanted to really do. I mean, that, that's where it really, it, it really started to come home to me there. Started to thrive. And I had read somewhere, well, actually, probably in an article and in your book, that um, you were invited to do Woodstock. And it didn't happen. Should should I have brought that up? Was that, no, that that's, it's, it, to look back on that now? It's so funny. I mean, yeah, the, our 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 manager at the time, you know, basically, hey, I got a better gig than that, you know. And I think it was some high school gymnasium in Washington D.C. I'm not sure where. I mean, but uh, and then the, the the biggest phenomena I think in the music business, you know, happened up there in Woodstock. I I don't know. Again, that's one of those stories that you know, had we been had we gone and, and that would happen who would who knows what would have you know transpired as far as what poco was at the time because we were really a good hot live band i mean we were we were able to create some energy yeah yeah but you left in 74 and then you went uh-huh. on to create yeah. you know the band with chris hillman and jd uh-huh. souther right um which did a couple albums and you kept this sound going and i love this because you know Let's talk about your album that's coming out July 8th. Yeah. (laughs) A couple years ago. Well, you know, we recorded it almost three years ago. Oh, did you? I I was a young man then. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember it? Do you need a second? I had I, I was doing a um, a benefit for the wild honey um, autistic uh, autism. Um, they put on concerts every year and, and they did a, a whole they recreated all of Buffalo Springfield's music, our three albums. They, they did all of all but two, all but two songs and uh, Val and um, his partner and my good friend, Michael Miller, who was very instrumental in uh, Nancy's and my relation, getting us together back way back when. Well, they came and Val asked me if I'd like to, to do another project. Now, we had recorded one project in 1979, hmm. but I mean, I'd known him obviously since 
Buffalo Springfield days. And um, uh, but when they came in, he, and, he, and I said, well, what do you have in mind? And he said, well, maybe to do some uh, country, iconic country songs is how I think he described it. And I'm thinking, okay, now what does that mean? You know, I mean, what genre, what era, what, you know, how far back are you thinking? And because um, I, I told him, you know, going back too far, I, I, I wouldn't, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't resonate with me. And so he said, well, look, let's put some songs together. I'll, I'll send you a list of songs. Michael will send you some songs and you write some songs and let's see if there's anything that matches up on, on the list. Well, the very first song that Val wanted to record was a song that I had wanted to record forever after hearing it in, in the early 1990s, a song by John Barry called Your Love Amazes Me. And that was at the top of his list. So I knew that we were in the realm. We were, yeah, we, we were both in the realm of these are the songs that we want to do. And so, you know, then we just start tossing songs around. And I think, you know, Val, he, he um, I saw a couple songs on his list. And, you know, I think maybe when all those lists came down, there was maybe three songs. And so then we started to just talk about other songs that that maybe would would work on an album, such as the concept that, uh, that that we had in our mind to do. And we ended up doing 14 songs in four days out of Blackbird Studio in Nashville. Great musicians, great talent. And um, uh, a man, I got to tell you, I, I really with Val, he's the only one that I've ever been able to record with to sing the songs live when the tracks were going down. Every other album that I that I've made and I've recorded every every studio album that I've done since 1979. I've recorded in Nashville with the same guys, but I've always had to go in after the tracks were cut and sing. Well, I got 90 percent of the vocals live. Now they needed tweak. Come on. I'm not going to say I just sat there like <laughs> one take. <laughs> but, yeah. But um, but I got 90 percent of the tracks and that that is what sometimes gives a song a different feel because everybody is in the same mode. You know, we're I'm not going out and singing to a track that was cut three months ago or something. You know, I'm we're we're all doing it right together. And it was such it was such a just a that's what happens when I think you have the band that you are so confident with, you know, and I, I won't say that wasn't the, the case with the, the other guys, because some of the same guys recorded on all the albums that I've done, which I've released on my own, which nobody's heard, but that's okay. No problem. Um, but it, it was, um, it, you know, it was just a, a real great experience. And, and I am so excited about this project. Here I am. I'm thinking I'm going to retire or have retired and I got more going on now than I had when I was 48 years old, you know. It's always like that, right? The moment you're ready to slow down, somebody says, no, 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 yeah. not yet. Yeah. <laughs> but with this album, I mean, you're recording uh, hits from artists like John Denver, Garth Brooks, George Strait, Ricky Nelson. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was going down the list looking at some of these songs and I thought, what an album. Yeah. And you now. So so for everybody that's listening, this album is coming out July mm -hmm. 8th. It's called In the Country. Mm -hmm. It is your first studio album in seven years. Yeah. Right. Yep. Last, yep. Mm -hmm. And the single Somebody Like You yeah. dropped April 22nd. Yeah. <laughs> so I listened to that. Richie. Your vocals are impeccable. 
I, I say that with 100% sincerity. I then watched it on YouTube because I wanted to watch the, the actual performance and I was blown away. Oh. No, truly, oh, this, <laughs> this album is exciting to me because, you know, a lot of the songs I've always loved. Yeah. And, you know, you are out there singing them with such uh, fury. And <laughs> I, 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 I just can't say enough about it. I, do, I think that you would probably need to give some other musicians some tips on how to stay, you know, in that great of a uh, vocal range, for lack of a better way to say it. <laughs> well, you know, it, it was four hard days of singing. I won't I won't deny that. And um, like I said, I, I went back and I had to sing two or three, I think two, two songs over. One of them was, uh, we did record one of my songs called Picking Up the Pieces, which is yes, a bonus track. And that one I had to go back and, and sing over for whatever reason, I don't know. And then I also sang the Mark Cohen, uh, Walking in Memphis over, I, you know, it, those were just two songs that had to be done. But you, the, here's the thing that with, with me, I knew I was going to, I mean, with our whole premise of why we're doing this, it was to do songs that people were already familiar with. Right. So am I going to be able to really do that to where people are going to want to hear this, hear somebody like you and not think of Keith Urban? You know, I wanted to do something to make my to make his song. I wanted to make it something he would be proud of, but I wanted to make it my own at the same time. Sure. Or with Leanne Womack, you know, I looked at the list today, you know, and everybody that there's only two or three songs on here that were like group songs. Everything else was like a solo artist, you know, and, and I thought, well, I, mean, I just thought about that today. You know, we did Alabama. I'm, I'm in a hurry. And we yeah. did Lone Stars. Uh, I'm already there. And I, I just thought the groups. But then all these other ones are basically they're. They're individual solo artists, but I wanted to make and Val wanted to make. We didn't want to do karaoke, but we wanted to make the songs our own. And I actually had an opportunity a couple. Well, I guess it was about it was about a year ago. I had a demo of what was going on and a guy asked me to come down and, and maybe sing a song, a few songs. He owns a restaurant in in. Uh, uh, Denver, and he's having a private birthday party when everything was shut down, you know, with the COVID stuff. And he said, will you come down and sing some songs? I said, oh, sure, man, I'd love to, man. I, number one, I love your restaurant, so I'm coming down. You know? <laughs> I'm going to eat. <laughs> then we got to, I, I took down this little, you know, CD that I had, you know, things were all mixed. And 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 I said, I'd like to play it. He said, well, I don't have anything to play it for. And it, well, come on out to the car. And so I put everybody in the car, and they were big country music fans and so it gave me kind of a test to see you know these people that are familiar with all of these people hearing the the original artists who made hits of these songs have you lost anything with what i did and right. you know what are they going to tell me <laughs> exactly what i thought no man this is they were they were they were overwhelmed with it and so i mean i appreciate what you said amanda because i really feel like we have captured you know everything that we could do to make these songs our own and not lose anything to where the original artists of the songs could be just really saying wow great job <laughs> Well, I'm excited to hear the rest of the album. And I guess that I, that brings up a question for me. Um, were there any songs that you wanted to cover on the album, but maybe didn't make the cut or you weren't able to? Um, no, you know, well, yeah, there was one song. There was one song and it was a song that we started to do on the very last day. And because of what I told you that, you know, we we didn't want to do karaoke. 
And it was just difficult to make this. It was a song by George Jones called She Thinks I Still Care. Mm-hmm. And um, George Jones just has one of the, he had one of the most magnificent voices that, that you'd ever hear. And the, the song was, it, it was just too locked into his style that, that we just went away from. And that's when we recorded Picking Up the Pieces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's just, and you know, it was done in one take. One, I told the guys, let's just do this more or less Bakersfield, not so mm-hmm. much Nashville. And so it, it's it's going to be a um, a bonus track on the record now. It's not one that actually is on the the vinyl, you know, twelve that that are on the the uh, the vinyl that's coming out. But um, I I'm very proud of it. I mean this this album is just um, I mean I've listened to it now for I've been in the blocks for three years waiting. Yeah. This thing. <laughs> And you still like it. So it must be good. I still like it. That's terrible, isn't it? Oh, gosh. I feel like I'm still. That's what I've got right here. (laughs) But this is an exciting time. And it's a good time because now I think everybody's out and about and they're ready to receive it. And that brings me actually to the touring. You know, you've got some dates on the calendar, I think. Now, they're all East Coast. (laughs) I'm West Coast. But you'll be touring in June, July, and August, a little bit of August, yeah. right? And I've, I've pretty much done that on, on a limited basis. Right. You know, um, although my June calendar it, right through the 1st of July is like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. really, I mean, yes, I, I, I've been able to sing, but I've, I've also done shows where I've been one and done. You know, because if I sing for two and a half hours, it's like, oh, my goodness. So but uh, (laughs) we're going to hope that it's going to it's going to it's going to make it. Um, But the first parts of it. Yeah, we're doing this little city winery tour. Basically, it is. And uh, so we got New York, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Boston and uh, several different towns, you know, that we'll be doing doing those. And I I told everybody, you know, when uh, when when the record got got done, you know, that I would go out on a limited basis and um you know at least have pr- play it for a live audience so that's mm-hmm. what that's what we're going to do so i'm excited to go out to, and and i mean i've always loved doing live performances i love you know and and, and years ago um i mean it's it's changed recently i mean i love to even just mingle with the audience when you know before a show or something i'll just go out and thank people for coming and for being there and just you know because it's small and intimate i mean it's not like going you know down to the denver coliseum where you know i mean this these are like small intimate places and i i like that i like that a lot i think a lot of performers feel that way right especially when you're introducing new material to be able to see everybody in front of you and really connect with them that way. It it helps. I mean, it helps me. Sure, sure. There's something, I mean, look, stadium's great, whatever, but it's very cold. It's very cold. And music is such a personal thing. It makes you feel something. And when you can connect with the performer, when you understand the song, when you know the backstory of a a song, it it makes the experience that much richer. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, I mean, we just played uh, the Coach House on April eighth down in uh, San Juan. Yeah, and um, it, it was, it was. I just love that place. We've always, you know, had great audiences there, and Gary, the owner, has always been great. But I just love just meeting the people, and then, like you said, you they're they're right there, you know. And I love to be able to, you know, even engage them in in the in the in the concert, you know, and it's just different than. Hey, I'm up here and you're out there. That's 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 not that's not it for me anymore. I love to just really touch bases with people. 
Well, and as an audience member, I can tell you, because that's all I've ever been is an audience member, but it's, it almost feels like you're part, at least for the night of an exclusive club. But I, I do want to go back for a second. Mm -hmm. sure. And I yep. want to ask you about Graham Parsons and the <laughs> night that you connected with him because you were both young kids in New York. Yeah. And he played you the Birds album. Yeah. He, uh, he lived across the street from me on Thompson Street. He was actually living with a group of guys that were the, called the, the, uh, the New Highwaymen. And uh, um, I, I had an apartment over at 171 Thompson Street, and he lived across the street. And um, I was actually working at Pratt & Whitney Aircraft when Graham came up um, uh, and brought that record up there. And he it, to me, and he said, you have to hear this record. You, you know, it's like, I mean, here's Bob Dylan with electric. I mean, it's like electric music, singing electric and songs. And that's what really inspired me to reach out to Stephen and find out what he was doing, where he had gone, because we'd been in a group and it broke up and he had traveled across Canada to, 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 um, to uh, Los, uh, actually San Francisco at first. But um, uh, when Graham brought that album up to me, it was like, my gosh, I've never heard anything like this. I, I want to, I got to, I, I don't, there's nothing wrong with handing out tools in the tool crib, but I want to play music. <laughs> <laughs> I just love how everything came full circle, ah, essentially, you know, after that. Amazing. I mean, amazing. To, to hear that and think it's so out of reach and then. Well, I mean, think of that and then think of the Sunset Strip thing where Stephen and Neil and, and Bruce and I, you know, I mean, all these little things along the way. It's like, you know. Yeah. It's pretty yes. amazing how it all happened because had Graham not brought that up, I think I'd resign myself, you know, the fact, well, you know, I'm, I was still doing different auditions in New York for various things, you know, that I heard were coming up. So I would drive down from Connecticut or whatever, where I was living at the time and, and, and do auditions. But, you know, when he brought that album up, it was like, that was the motivator. That was it. It's like, it's, oh my gosh, I got to do this. Little did I know. I mean, Chris would become a, a really good friend of mine and, and uh, just, oh, it, it, it just, too much. <laughs> it is. It, and that's, that's what I absolutely love. Just, you know, hearing those stories about how, first of all, the community seemed so small back then, truly. I mean, mm -hmm. it was a big world, but once you got to LA, you know, it was very communal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yep. Everybody knew everybody. And then Graham enters in the picture again, when you're auditioning for Poco. Looking yep, for well, guitarists for Poco, right? Yeah, actually, when I'm, I'm yeah, trying to get people and and somehow or another, you know, around that very same time, he would he he he'd gotten a pool of people that that he was playing with at the time, and and so uh, we actually talked about trying to put a band together together, mm -hmm. and by that time, you know, I was. I, I was so focused on the players that we had already assembled, you know, with Jimmy and Rusty and Randy Meisner, um, you know, and, and George Grantham uh, that, you know, it was hard to just decide, you know, who, who would I exchange for who, you know, to, to play, you know, with. And so and, and, and Graham kind of felt the same way. And and I think, you know, with his vision was just a little different. Like I said in the beginning, he was he, it seemed like he was coming more from the countryside to the to the rock and roll side where I was going from the rock and roll side 
to the countryside. Mm -hmm. And I actually wrote a song called We Were the Dreamers. I don't know if you've heard that song or not. It's on Hand in Hand. And it kind of like gave the little story, you know, of We Were the Dreamers. And, you know, um, anyway, anyway, so um, he was a good friend um, back in New York. We, we weren't real close. Uh, when we got out to L.A., you know, it, it was other than just talking about putting our bands together, you know, or maybe doing something, uh, you know, he was pretty much off on his on his road and I was off on mine. But um, he sure played a instrumental part in, in me getting out to Los Angeles when he brought that record up. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, Isn't that crazy. Isn't yeah, that crazy. And then you also talked to Greg Allman, I believe, as well. <laughs> Right. I don't know how that all happened. I think, I think Jimmy brought him in, and um, Greg, you know, was was hanging out there, and and um, you know, I mean, the minute we played, I think we knew that yeah, this is just a little bit, a little bit different than what maybe we had envisioned. But at the same time, then he got a call from his brother, and said, "Hey, you got to get back out here to Georgia because we got a, we, we got we we got we got something going." And so too we bad that didn't out, work out. out yeah. Here. <laughs> Greg was a, he's a sweet guy. I, I really, I really liked him, but I think Jimmy's the guy that brought him in. They had something to do with motorcycles and stuff at that time. <laughs> they had their thing going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it, again, it's, it's such a great story here. Everything. It's kind of like musical chairs and Randy going to the Eagles and Timothy coming back in and, you know, and Timothy yeah. going to the Eagles. That's. I know. I, I supply the Eagles with their bass players. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, a farm a team, thing. you know, we got them, we got them up and ready to go. Okay, you're ready. <laughs> Do you keep in touch with a lot of these guys from any of the bands? Neil, Stephen, you know, Jimmy. Well, because we are doing a uh, a documentary uh, that that's coming out, and and actually Stephen and I just talked. Uh, oh golly, probably about a maybe a month ago. You know, Cameron Crow actually did. He's he did the interview. Stephen and Cameron were out at his house, and then I zoomed in, and we all kind of did that. Neil was going to be a part of that, and situation came up that he just he 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 couldn't do it, but he's going to do it. There's no doubt about it. Because when I wrote to Neil, you know, thinking, well, is he going to do this or not? I mean, his <laughs> first two words. I'm in. That was it. So Great. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that that he's gonna do it, and and why why wouldn't he do it? You know. Right. Um, but so I I don't talk to him a lot. I haven't talked to Jimmy in 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 a while. It's it's been a while. People are just busy and wrapped up with our own silly lives, you know. Yep. And sometimes yeah. it gets to be so busy that uh, shame on us, you know. But but when you do get together, having the history that you've had, it almost seems like no time has passed. I am. I would assume, you know. Well, you know, when Buffalo Springfield did the reunion, and that reunion, I can't believe, was ten years ago now. Yeah. Um, it, it was. It was exactly like that. It was like we hadn't. I mean, even though we didn't have, excuse me, Bruce and Dewey with us, we had sure? um, uh, Joe Vitale and and Rick Ro Rosas, and 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 when we started playing, though, it was just like we just walked off the whiskey stage. You know, it was it was amazing. It was so easy. Just uh, just to do those songs. And and I know a lot of people, you know, regret now that they didn't make the trip to California to, to hear us when we played at the 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 six or three places that we played out there or to Bonnaroo. But, you know, yeah. that's the way it goes. Well, you just have to do it again. 
(laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And, you know, as years go by and all the egos are gone and you know what I mean? So much time is passed. Well, they should be, shouldn't they, at this age? (laughs) I would certainly hope so. I would certainly hope so. Life's pretty hard if you're (laughs) walking around carrying all that stuff. Absolutely. And looking back at Uh everything, everything Uh you've done, what can you say that you're probably most proud of? Well, you know, obviously, boy, there, there's a lot going on. I mean, you know, you were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, that's a really big step. You played at the Hollywood Bowl, opening up for the Rolling Stones before you even had a record contract. You, you, you were one of the first rock and roll bands to play uh, Carnegie Hall in New York City. Um, but I, th- I think probably um, if if I just had to to go over the whole thing, I think the fact that a vision that I had became such a big influence in American music, starting a genre of music, being able to to actually pioneer that. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that couldn't have pioneered because they they were they were too success oriented that they wouldn't have stuck around to really push that forward. And it, you needed somebody to plow up the fallow ground, if you will. And, right. and so I, I think, you know, with all those other really cool things, you know, and all the people that I've played with and, and been able to meet and 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 just just create and make music with, I think the fact to be able to have started a genre of music, I think has to be the one thing that, that I would really hang my hat on and say, look, because even though we didn't get the uh, the recognition that maybe we could have, somebody had to open the door and, uh, you know, the Eagles took it to the limit, if you will. They did. <laughs> no pun intended. Exactly. Exactly. Like you said, you plowed all that ground. Yeah. Now, I know that, you know, the album hasn't even come out yet, but Mm -hmm. I I guess I want to ask because I've got you. What would be next for you? Another album? Oh, well, you know, believe it or not, Val and Michael asked at one point in time if I wanted to do another one. And uh, I I don't mind making the album. I think I would be a little bit hesitant if I was going to be required to head out on the road. You know, and and have to. I I think I, I want to be able to pick and choose what I do. Uh, right now, I'm just getting. I mean, hey, come on, let's face it. You know, I mean, it's I'm 78 years old, and it's hard. The road can be hard. I know Willie Nelson's a lot older than me. You know, <laughs> but um, uh, he, he's a road dog. He knows what's going on. I, yeah. I haven't been a road dog like he has. <laughs> and, you know, um, and, and you know what? I don't get to travel around like. Uh, well, like the Eagles do, you know, I mean, it's like, it, it's a, it's a harder genre for me to do it. Sure. And um, so I, I wouldn't mind making the record. I still enjoy making the record. And if I can make a record, you know, that's at the quality that, that this one's at, I'm all in, but I just would have to put a, um, probably a, a little bit of, of a roadblock up to, you know, how much I could really go out and do live. That I understand that I understand, but I, like I said, you sound fantastic. <laughs> so whatever dates you do do, you know, people should be coming out in droves to see oh, it. Oh, I want them to come out. Yeah. Oh, I want them to come out. yeah. No, I, I'll be there. <laughs> Great, man. Well, it'll be great to meet you, too. Yeah, no, I and would absolutely cool to, love that. This is so cool to be able to do stuff like this. But, you know, it'd be really great to just say, hey, 
I know you. I saw you on my on my computer screen. <laughs> exactly. It'll be wonderful for me too. Very exciting. Well, I was I was so happy that we could make this happen despite the technical issues and that you were able to make some time and come on and talk sure. about the album. I'm really excited for you. Guys, a link to the um single is in the show notes and additional information about show dates will be in there as well. So, you know, anybody who's in the area, they can come see you. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank you, Richie. I so appreciate it. Amanda, thank you so much. It was so nice talking to you. It was very, very comfortable and easy. Oh, good, good. That's how, I mean, that's how I want everybody to feel. Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. Well, there's just a little bit of magic in the country. Easy for singing. So let's begin. We're bringing you back down home where the folks are happy. Sitting, picking out a grin casually, you and me. All right, a big thank you to Richie Fure. He is such a talent, and he's also got to be one of the nicest guys I have ever met in music. So be sure to look for In the Country. It's coming out July 8th. And if you want to see Richie perform, I've provided concert dates and a link to the single Somebody Like You in the show notes. So check it out. Now, guys, if you like this episode, please subscribe. Maybe even leave a review if you're feeling so inclined. And definitely follow me on Instagram at LA Woman Rocks, where we pay homage to all the great music of the 60s, 70s, and 80s with rare behind-the-scenes classic rock photos. All right, thanks for listening, and we will see you at the next episode. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.